When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is up, College Across fans? You are watching episode 201, such a mundane and boring number of the X, uh, Lax Factor Lacrosse podcast. I am your host, Ted Hoost. I had a weird little opening there. I'm trying to figure out how to open up the live streams and not have it be weird. Uh, so I'll eventually get that figured out. But once again, I wanted to do another live stream because sometimes it's just easier. So today we have a bunch of games that we're going to preview. Most notably, Syracuse plays Albany in about 45 minutes. So I am pre-gaming here. And uh, am back to willing to talk about Syracuse again. So that is good for all of us. Taking a sip of ye old beer. And uh, today we're going to talk about the Albany and the Syracuse game. We're going to talk about Penn State and Michigan, Ohio State. And who do they play? I'm going to switch the screen here real quick. And Hopkins, I forgot. Duke and North Carolina. Or Duke and Notre Dame. Uh, Virginia, North Carolina. Princeton. I mean, there's there's a bunch of good games to talk about here. Uh, before I get into it, as always, you can go to laxfactor.com, support us that way. We put all the videos, the podcasts up there, and then we also have a little shop with t-shirts, shorts, and crap like that for you to enjoy. Uh, but let's let's stop rambling, and I'm going to get right into this. Other than, hey, you can uh, like and subscribe and all that crap. Share this with your friends. Do all those good things. So the first game I, of course, want to talk about here is the Albany and the Syracuse game here. Albany is 3-5. and five. They're coming off back-to-back wins after a 1-5 and five start, so they're just starting to play some solid lacrosse. They have losses to Cornell, Drexel, UMass, Maryland, and Binghamton. All fairly solid teams. Even Binghamton's a pretty solid team here so far this year. They have wins over Siena. I yawn at that one, but Stony Brook is a good team in that mix, and then UMass Lowell. So they, they two of their three wins are against poor teams. But still, they're winning those games, and their losses are against all all of them. Pretty solid teams. Graydon Hogg, he was a monster in the win over Stony Brook, going for five goals and a helper. Cam Hay, he was 3-1 and one against Stony Brook and 2-4 and four in the win over UMass. And Hay here, as you can see, he's got 12. He's 12-7 and seven right now. Hogg is 12-8. and eight. And then Corey Yunker, he went off against UMass Lowell for five goals and a helper. He's sitting at 13-4. and four so far this season. So the moral of that story is Albany. They have a bunch of guys that if you're not playing good defense on any given day, they can score. Now, Albany's going to struggle in other areas. Defensively, they're not great. They've been a little bit better at the faceoff dot here so far this season with Carnes, you know, winning, you know, winning, I guess they've kind of been splitting between Endress and Carnes, and they're both hanging in the area of 46, 49%. And then that's not at FOP's level necessarily uh, so long as FOP has himself a great game here this weekend. Now, Syracuse, they're four and five and coming off an ass whooping, an absolute ass whooping at the hands of Notre Dame. 
Uh, it was. It, I didn't even want to talk about it. Didn't talk about it last week. Their top three scores combined for 11 turnovers in that loss to the Irish. Dordovic had three. Curry and Siebold each had four. And uh, that's you just can't do that. Syracuse, the turnovers have been a problem for them all year. So to turn the ball over like that against a solid team like Notre Dame and then to just not have anything else figured out offensively or defensively, it's a recipe for the beatdown that they got. Now, Dordovic... He had his second lowest output of the season with just two assists on the day. He only had one assist against UVA in his lowest output of the season. And that's the same for Curry. He tied his lowest output this season. He only had one goal versus Notre Dame. He had one assist versus Maryland. And Syracuse is never going to survive overall if Dordovic and Curry aren't playing their best. In Syracuse's four wins, Dordovic and Curry, they combined for 35 goals, an average of 8.75 goals per game out of those two players. That's in the Syracuse, uh, the, the four wins Syracuse had. Over the course of their five losses, 19 goals between the two of them. It's not going to get it done, and that's mostly on Curry. I think Dordovic has been a little bit more steady in those losses than Curry has. Uh, but moral of the story for Cuse, if, Cor- if Dordovic and Curry are playing well and they're you know putting up somewhere, not even putting up X amount of points, but if they're showing up in an important manner in the scorebook, Syracuse is going to have a chance to be in that game. If they're not playing well like they didn't last week, if they're turning the ball over and they're not going on those runs, Cuse has shown, hey, they may go down in a game, but when they're playing offensive, offense, offense well, they're able to go on their own run. So, yeah, they might give up a five-goal run, but they're capable of scoring a five-goal run on their own in that in that Notre Dame game. They just never put it together. They didn't get stops defensively. They couldn't figure out anything offensively. It was just an absolute bloodbath. My prediction for the game tonight, I think Cuse by five goals. I think Cuse is actually much better than Albany. I think Cuse could win this game by eight goals, maybe even more. I think that Albany, though, is going to be hyped playing this game in Albany at home for the first time. They're going to be pesky. They're going to play like they have nothing to lose because technically they don't have anything to lose. You know, as, as, we, as we look at uh, Albany's schedule here, all right, we don't even need to look at their schedule, actually. Um, th- this is a non-conference game for them. They've already got five losses. They're not making the NCAA tournament unless they win their conference tournament. So they could lose this game and... It doesn't matter. So they're going to be playing fairly fast and loose and feeling kind of easy breezy while Syracuse, this is an absolute must win for them. They can they can just about not lose this game and still make the tournament because if they lose this game, then they're four and six going into a four-game stretch against Cornell, Carolina, Virginia, and Notre Dame. That is a brutal, brutal four-game stretch. They have to be at 500 before they get into this stretch. And then that way, if they split and go two and two, they're at least 500 and eligible to get in, into the NCAA tournament. If they lose this game against Albany and then go two and two, game's over. Uh, and to boot, I just don't think they'd survive a loss to Albany. I think if they lose this game to Albany and then don't go two and two after that, I think that bad, that loss, you know, it's just, Cuse has to win it. This is a must win. If Syracuse loses this game, I think they, they'd have to literally win out and win the next four games of the season, I think, to be able to get that at-large bid and, bid and go. I don't even know if winning three of those last four gets them in with the bad loss to Albany, the bad loss to Notre Dame, and things like that, even if they get the reven- uh, get revenge against Notre Dame here. So that's what we're going to say about that game. So that's my prediction there. The next game that I want to talk to talk about here, Michigan at Penn State here. 
Now, Penn State, they're currently hating life because they are on a five-game losing streak at the moment after they beat Yale in what kind of looked like a, a turnaround game for Penn State early in the season. They've now lost five straight to Penn, Cornell, and Bucknell each game by a single goal. Then they lost to Maryland and Ohio State by 11 and 9 goal margins, respectively. So, Two very good teams, but they got trounced by those two very good teams. A lack of consistency all over the field has been what's been plaguing Penn State. Offensively, they struggled to put it together for a while. They looked good against Yale. I was thinking, hey, giddy up. These guys are are maybe going to start playing tougher lacrosse, and now they've just kind of lost and lost and lost. And it doesn't get much easier for them from here because if we look at the remainder of their schedule, Michigan, Hopkins, and Rutgers. And Rutgers is a a one-loss team at this moment. They're probably going to lose to Maryland this weekend and be a two-loss team, but they've got three tough opponents to finish out against, Penn State does. So, you know, not not like they're playing for anything here at this point, I don't think. Uh, although I do think everybody makes it to the Big Ten tournament. So is that is that the case? Is is Are all of the Big Ten teams just in the tournament? And if so, does that mean that uh, Penn State still has a shot at the tournament, even if they were under 500? I don't know how that works in that case if you win your conference tournament and you're under 500. But we shall see. Uh, and Or you guys can correct me in the comments. I know Dave Sweeney's probably knows. He probably has an answer to something like that or at least a Google machine where he could look it up. Um, so that is the story uh, for Penn State so far, that lack of consistency. But credit to them. Four of their losses were by a goal, another, another loss by two goals. So they've been in games. They're not as they're, – they're one of the better – two and eight teams, I would say, in the country for sure. Uh, but for Michigan, in true Michigan fashion, they started 7-0, and and now they've lost four straight, which is pretty much what I expected for them to do. Their first six wins were against six pretty poor teams, and then their only quality win in their first seven games was that 18-8 to slow burn to a kind of large margin victory over Delaware. Now, since that Delaware win, they've lost to Harvard, Notre Dame, Hopkins, and Maryland. None of those losses were terrible, although some of them were by a you know a decent margin. But they they're still much improved this season over last season. Now Josh Zuwada, he had he started the season out and an absolute fire through the worst part of that schedule in terms of the quality of the teams. In their last, uh, let's see here, in their four losses that they've they've had over these last four games, Zawada's only eight goals and four helpers over those last four losses here, the last four games that they played. So still one of the best attackmen in the country, but once they got into the meat of their schedule, his production went down drastically. Now goalie Shane Carr, he's been pretty solid all year, but had his first two back-to-back games below 50% between the pipes over their last two losses. He stopped 42% of his looks in the loss to Hopkins and only 39% in that loss to Maryland. So in order for Michigan to beat Penn State, Tomorrow night, that's a Friday night game. I think that Carr has to get back to 50%, if not higher. And then my prediction is that he's going to have a solid game and that Michigan's going to win this game by two because Zawada is going to prove too much for that Penn State defense. Penn State's played pretty solid defense on the season considering their record. But I do, I, I do think Michigan has enough weapons that they can't just totally, you know, key on Zawada without getting scorched in other places in the field. And I think that's going to present a problem, matchup problems. And I think Zawada ends up being a little bit too much. I don't think he's going to go nuts, but I think he ends up with five points in the win. And he plays a little bit better in this game than he has over the course of the bulk of those four losses that they've had. So that is my spiel there. The next game I wanted to talk about 
is Johns Hopkins at Ohio State. We're, we're a little bit Big Ten heavy in this show because the Big Ten play, once they get into Big Ten play, that is all they do is just play each other over and over again, whereas even in the ACC, you end up having some out-of-conference games mixed in with the ACC schedule. So Ohio State, they are sitting at 7-3 and three after a 4-0 and start to the season. Their signature win over North Carolina was a 20-8 to beatdown in Chapel Hill. That had me thinking that Ohio State might legitimately be one of the top five best teams in the country. Then their losses to Denver and the recent loss to Rutgers over the last four weeks, that has me wondering which team is actually going to show up to play Hopkins this weekend. Jack Myers, he had four points in the win over Penn State. Myers only had two assists in that loss to Rutgers last weekend. So we wonder which Myers is going to show up, and that will play heavily in the outcome of this game, I think. Jackson Reed and Kobe Smith, it's not like it's just a Jack Myers show. Uh, Jackson Reed and Kobe Smith, they've both been incredible so far for the Buckeyes, but they need Myers to stay in that area of four points plus for that, for because that just opens it up for everybody else. If you know Myers is going to be, you know, put up a healthy point total on you, you start keying on him a little bit more, and that just opens, opens things up for the rest of the offense. Reed, Kobe Smith, in that North Carolina beatdown, everybody on the roster just about scored a goal. So I, 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 I like... I like Ohio State here. Uh, and then, as always, Justin Inacio, he's been insane. Three goals and an assist, has won 62% of his faceoffs with 60 GBs on the season. So, Inacio, he's coming off a decent game against Penn State where he won 54% of his draws. And so long as he handles his business, OSU should win this game, I think. And, and at least will be in the game. Now, Inacio, he started out insanely hot. And he's kind of cooled down, and he hasn't been dominating as much as he did in that first half of the season, so that will be key. Now, for Hopkins, this game is a near-must-win for them. They sit at 4-5 and five right now, and they only have two games left after this. If we look at this over here, you can kind of see we've got this game here. They can win this game. They're back to 500 with a shot here to kind of win a couple more, but then they have the Big Ten tournament, you know, to finish out the season anyway and become eligible, whereas a team like Syracuse doesn't have a conference tournament afterwards to do. They just have to be above 500 at the end of the year, whereas Hopkins at least has the conference tournament to improve their record. But either way, it doesn't, you know, Ohio State, Penn State, and then Maryland. So they've got three tough games ahead of them. Uh, Hopkins does as well. And their problem has just been instability at, at the attack so far. Their leading scorer as of this moment, has been rarely playing. I'm not sure if he has an injury. I haven't. I've been doing a stupid thing that I'm not going to do this weekend, and I've been watching multiple games with all the volumes on or all the volumes off. So I watch the games, I see the games, but I don't really, without the audio, I'm not able to pay attention to the point where I have any idea what the hell's going on. So I'm not sure what's happening with Epstein, but he's their leading scorer at this point still, and he hasn't been on the field. So that's a problem. Last season's leading scorer, Simone, has not had the same success and has not been as efficient as he was last year. That's hurting them. So momentum's just really not on Hopkins' side so far. Tyler Dunn has been solid at the dot. So if he can give Inacio enough problems to kind of hang at 45% in this game, I think Hopkins has a legitimate shot if, if Dunn just gets run out of the building by Inacio. I think that's the ball game. I don't think Hopkins is good enough offensively to overcome losing uh, the possession battle all that badly. Um, so my prediction in this one, Ohio State by four goals, I think, in the end. I think that there will be times where maybe even Hopkins will lead. I think there will be some runs here and there, but I think Ohio State will pull it out in the end. And because we're continuing on with our really heavy – actually, I think I've lost 
what we're going to have to do here is go I'm, Rutgers and Maryland is next, but I don't have that queued up. So let me go to Rutgers here, and then we're going to go to the preview here. Okay, so the next one I want to talk about is Rutgers and Maryland. For Maryland, they're 9-0. That's enough said. They are really, really good at the sport of lacrosse. Nine wins against a fairly decent schedule also, including wins over High Point, Loyola, Syracuse, Princeton, Notre Dame, and Virginia. They started the season blowing out High Point and Loyola before playing three close games against Cuse, Princeton, and Notre Dame, but then their last four wins have all been by a considerable margin, including an 11-goal win over UVA. Now, Wisnowskis has been absolutely incredible, as you see here, anchoring this offense, 27-24 and 24 for 51 points. And it, just a note, I've noticed some of the inside lacrosse statistics do not match the, the team scorebook. So if at any point I quote a stat that's not accurate, it's probably because it's here, and that's why. But he's been incredible, almost 50-50. Keegan Kahn has started to figure out things, and he's now 16-16 and 16 with 32 points. But you look here, Donville, 28 points. Malaver, 23 points. Long, 22. DeMeo, 21. They, they're able to get quality scoring deep into their roster. And then Murphy and Maltz right behind them. They're, they're not chumps either. And then you look at the defense. They've been one of the best defenses in the land so far. Matt Rahill has 13 caused turnovers. Uh, Brett Makar, six. They get it done. And then Logan McNaney in cage has also been good enough. He hasn't been stellar, but I think some of the reason his uh, save percentage is only 53% and change is due to the fact he gets sleepy a little bit because he gets bored because, you know, Weirman, Luke Weirman's been one of the best face-off men in the country, winning 66% of his draws. He's boring his goalie because he's not seeing a lot of action, and then that causes him to let some goals up here and there that he wouldn't normally. Weirman, 66% at the dot while also putting up six goals and three helpers. That's Petey fucking Lasala type numbers right there. So uh, Maryland looking really good overall. Now for Rutgers, they're 10-1. and one. They haven't played quite the schedule that Maryland has, but it is damn close overall. They've got wins over St. John's, Hofstra, Lafayette. You know, those ones, not all that exciting, but wins over Army, Loyola, Stony Brook, and Ohio, and Ohio State make you realize that Rutgers, they're legit, they're for real, and they are a quality team. Ethan Rawl has 23 cause turnovers at LSM for Rutgers. Bryant Boswell and Jared John Felix, nine and eight cause turnovers respectively. So defensively, they are very strong in terms of the product that they're putting in front of their goalie. And then Colin Kirst is one of the best in the country in cage. Thus far, 56% between the pipes. So that's the strength of this Rutgers team is their defense. Luckily, because the strength of Maryland's team is everything, but offense is among those things. So Rutgers is going to have their hands fall here. Now, Ross Scott, he's been incredible also. 49 points offensively. For Rutgers, I expected Rutgers to take a step back this year after losing all three starting attackmen, and I think they have taken a a step back offensively this year, but it's not nearly what I thought. I thought we were going to see a drop off in terms of offensive production, but Scott has been good. Mitch Bartolo transfer from, what is it, Penn, he's been good, 39 points. My only knock on Rutgers offensively, they score a lot of goals off the dodge. They, they don't have anyone who's really like an, a power in assists. You look at Scott, 30 and 19, Bartolo, 27 and 12, Jacoby, 24 and 7, Cameron, 21 and 6. You look down the roster, I mean, everybody's pretty much a, a goal scorer, but 
in the same way, everybody is able to contribute in, in terms of feeding the rock as well. So I think the only thing that that, that does is it, it makes Rutgers susceptible against teams like Maryland, against a team like Princeton that beat them. Their only losses against a very good defensive team in Princeton. If you're a team that can lock up on the Dodgers for Rutgers and force them to you know not be able to get that step and, and draw slides – you're going to you're going to beat this team probably but it is it is a tall task to be able to do that because once again they do they get just like Maryland has depth in scoring through their roster you look at Rutgers over here they too have depth in scoring through their roster just not quite as deep as Maryland my prediction in this one here Maryland wins by 6 goals but I think Rutgers is going to make a valiant effort at keeping it closer at times but I think Maryland's just going to be too much for them to handle in the end uh, the next game I want to talk about here is North Carolina at Virginia. Now, Virginia's coming off their only bad loss of the season, a 17-13 to surprise L at the hands of Richmond. They beat Notre Dame 12-8 the weekend before and then lost to the Terps the weekend before that. So they're kind of 1-2 and two here over the – not kind of. They're factually 1-2 and two over the course of their last three games. They started the season on a 6-0 tear with wins over High Point, Syracuse, Hopkins, and Carolina – prior to losing 23 to 12 to Maryland in Baltimore, Schellenberger Schellenberger, man. I mean, the dude's one of the best players in the country, if not the best player in the country, in my opinion, sitting at 22 goals and 32 helpers over nine games. I believe that's good for third in the country in terms of points per game. Cole Kastner, he's been on a candy-stealing tear with 25 cost turnovers for the UVA defense thus far this season, 17 GBs, and a goal uh, to go with those robberies. But I'm not sure what Matt Moore and Petey LaSala's status, uh, statuses are going to be for this weekend. UVA was winning 7-4 to against Richmond at the end of the first quarter at the point that LaSala was winning 9 of 10 draws by the end of that uh, first quarter. LaSala exits the game due to an injury, and UVA loses out through the rest of the game, both at the dot and the scoreboard. So I haven't looked up, you know, just work-wise. I've been busy. I haven't looked up an official update on either. But that looked to me for more to be a, a torn Achilles tendon. So I'm, you know, if as of Saturday after I saw that injury happen, I was almost sure he had tore his Achilles tendon. I did have someone to tell me that implied that maybe his injury was severe enough to be season ending, but I haven't heard anything officially. Maybe you guys have, and I'm just an idiot and I haven't been paying attention. So you can chirp me in the comments if you'd like to, but what's this mean for North Carolina? If Moore and LaSala don't play, it means it's an opportunity, sadly, for Carolina. UNC is 7-3, and three, but they're coming off a nine-goal loss to Duke with UVA, Syracuse, Notre Dame, and a second meeting with Duke on the slate coming up. UNC has already lost to Virginia, a 15-11 decision about four weeks ago. Chris Gray, obviously the perceived favorite to win the Tewartan. His 61 points certainly have me believing that's probably true. Overall, but UNC needs to win at least two of their next four games for him to have a legit shot, in my opinion. And they've got to win two of the next four games to make sure they get into the tournament as well. The UNC defense, they've been playing a little bit better. They had a very shaky start. They're young, inexperienced, and it showed all over the field in their early season. But they're playing a little bit better. And then Colin Krieg, the second-year goalie, he was under 47% 
in five of UNC's first six games. I think that shows the defense wasn't playing up to par at that point. He's been 53% or better in their last four games, and UNC went 2-2 two and two over that stretch against pretty solid competition. They needed him to be playing that well, or they would have been 1-3 over the course of that stretch. So Krieg, contrib- Krieg contributed to making sure that they didn't drop to 1-3 and three over their last four games, and they're 2-2 two and two instead. My prediction, even if Moore and LaSala don't play, I think the planned nature of that is going to give them a game plan that's going to allow Schellenberger to just rip shit up in terms of his offensive production. I think Shelley ends up you know, going for seven-plus points, and I think UVA squeaks out a one-goal win. That's if Moore and LaSala don't play. If either of those guys do end up playing, which I don't think they will, but if either do, then I think that you know that, that's just more points here overall for Virginia in the end. <clears throat> and we got Chris Weston saying he'll be at Clockner this weekend with the fam. PD's presence will definitely dictate how much I chirp UNC. We'll see. I was talking to PD's dad. Uh, I know that he was getting an MRI, I think, done probably Tuesday, and I haven't heard back from him, or maybe I haven't been on Facebook yet to see how he was doing because I was talking to him to find out how PD did. Um, all right, let's get out of here now. Now let's just start talking about games. I don't have nearly anything written up for all these, so we're just going to fly by the seat of our pants for these. Let's uh, have a sip of pregame Syracuse Albany beer here. All right. Duke and Notre Dame. Duke sitting at nine and four. Duke coming off a loss to Syracuse two weeks ago, but then a big beatdown win over North Carolina. They beat Carolina last weekend, 15 to six in that game. It was the Brennan O'Neill show. Seven goals in that game, as you see here. Chris Gray was quiet, one and three. So Duke played some really good lacrosse last weekend after losing and playing a rough game against Syracuse is what I would call it. Notre Dame sitting at three and four. Once again, you're kind of starting to say, hey, is this a must win for them as well? Because while they do have Marquette left, they're they're playing Duke, Carolina, Syracuse, and Duke again. So Marquette, the weakest team on that schedule, unless it's Syracuse because Notre Dame I have a prediction. I think the only way to explain what Notre Dame has done to Syracuse lately is that the Syracuse players must just be terrible sinners, and the the Catholics of Notre Dame end up just having God on their side against the sinners of Syracuse, the evil empire, and that's why Notre Dame's just been be, been able to beat Syracuse's ass the way because it's not just the last three meetings. I mean, if we'd go back, there there have been. Games that Notre Dame has beat Syracuse up that just went beyond anything that any of us thought. So anyway, I digress because they're not playing Syracuse this weekend. But yeah, Notre Dame, uh, they've got to kind of win this game because their schedule is brutal and right now under 500. It's going to be tough, whereas last year every ACC team made the tournament. This year we're dealing with a scenario where maybe two teams don't get in. You know, if Notre Dame loses one or two more games – they probably don't get in, and Syracuse, same thing. If Syracuse loses tonight against Albany, they definitely don't get in. But anyway, we get back to it. The Kavanaugh brothers here, Pat Kavanaugh has been incredible, 14 and 19, 51, or 30, 33 points. Eric Dobson, the big midfielder, 10 and 9. Chris Kavanaugh, little brother to Pat, 13 and 5. They can score all over the field here, but offensively, they've been a little bit inconsistent, and I've been surprised that defensively, they've been a little bit inconsistent. Not nearly as stout defensively as I thought they would be. They definitely lost some guys to graduation, but I thought through the transfer portal and just returning guys that they would have been okay. They've been a little bit shaky 
uh, defensively. Liam Entman, a guy that I thought would be hanging at 58 to 60% between the pipes this year, 55%, but he's been a little bit streaky. If we kind of look at the games here, you know, really good here, 82%, but then Georgetown, 36%, you know, and then he's been rough over the Maryland and the Ohio State game, a really good outing against Michigan, you know, rough outing against Virginia, and then whoop Syracuse's ass. So he's just been streaky as all, still one of the best goalies in the country, but he's going to have to have a very good day for Notre Dame to be able to beat Duke on the road nonetheless. And then Mac, uh, Mike, I always want to call him Max Adler. Mike Adler, what can you say about him? He's been incredible, and he's been pretty damn tough here. Had a rough outing against Syracuse, but you look at these last five games, 71% against Richmond, 52% against Loyola, 67% against Towson, Rough outing in the loss to Syracuse, but then 79%. He was on fire in that game against um, North Carolina in that big win uh, over them. So, yeah, I like, in the end, I think my prediction here, I think Duke wins this game. I think it'll probably be, you know, close. It's just one of those things, though, with the ACC, just like you've seen the Ivy games have been pretty much close with the ACC. Games have been a little bit bipolar overall. So I, I assume this is going to be a, somewhere in the area of one to four goals. I wouldn't be surprised to see Duke come out and put the hurt on him. I don't think Notre Dame is ready to put the hurt on Duke though. So I think it's going to go one of two ways, close game that Duke wins or Duke is going to beat their pants off. I Notre Dame could win a close one. Notre Dame will not beat their ass. So that's, I guess I'm covering three of the four scenarios and pretending I'm smart. So I, I, I understand that's kind of a stupid way for me to predict, predict those. Another game I want to talk about here, 8-2 Boston U against 7-2 Princeton. Boston U has looked fairly good. I mean, they're not playing the toughest schedule in the world here, but they just gave Yale all they could handle. I think it was, what, Tuesday in a 22-15 loss. Yale looked incredible. Yale shot the lights out in this game, but Boston U, pesky enough to keep it interesting and to keep it semi-respectable. And the two weeks prior, they got a win over Navy, big win over Lafayette. Their only two losses are to Harvard and Yale. So, I mean, they're not doing too bad, and they've beat solid teams in UMass, Bryant, Bucknell's a good lacrosse squad. Uh, you know, Navy's not bad. So they're, they're a quality opponent for Princeton here. Princeton, on the other hand, has been playing incredibly well. They started out hot, go 5-2 and two to start the season before losing to Yale. Or no, 5-1 and one to start the season before losing to Yale. And now they've got wins over Brown and Marist, both semi-statement level wins. And then coming up here after Boston U, they finish out the Ivy with Dartmouth, Harvard, and Cornell. But Princeton looking really good. Chris Brown's been great. Alex Slusher has been playing like one of the better attackmen in the country. The dude is a goal-scoring mastermind. The One of the surprises here, I think, this year, I hate these stupid ads that Inside Lacrosse pops up, has been, let's find it here. Where'd it go? Here we go. Tyler Sandoval, goal and assist, 56% of his draws with 48 GBs. I've dug what Tyler Sandoval has done so far for Princeton, and he's going to need, need to keep doing that overall. But truly, for Princeton, one of the biggest stories they've had all year has been uh, goalkeeper Eric Peters. Dude's saving the ball at a 57% clip and one, playing one of the best goalies in the country, hands down here. Dude is right now having an All-American 
level season. And as we see over the course of his last two games in the win over Brown and the win over Marist, 63% and 67% struggled mightily in the game against Penn and struggled a little bit in the game against Yale here. But Yale has been shooting the ball well, so that's going to happen to you. So in this game, I think Princeton's going to win. I think Princeton wins by three to five goal margin. I wouldn't be surprised to see it spread a little bit more. I think Princeton's a little bit more battle-tested than Boston U, but it should be a hell of a game, albeit it's going to be in New Jersey. And uh, we already talked about that game. Penn. And then we get into the Ivies because we got to talk about the Ivies. Penn hosting Brown. Penn at four and three. Brown at five and four. Brown kind of started out pretty hot here. They were five and one after their first five. They're the losers of three straight. Harvard, UMass, and Princeton all you know, those first two losses, fairly close game. Princeton kind of beat them up a little bit. So they've got to get back in the winning ways here because their schedule does not get any easier either. That's kind of the story once you get into your conference play, especially in the big conferences. They've still got to play Yale, Cornell, Bryant, and Dartmouth. Uh, Penn does after this, or no, Brown does after this game here. So all of those those teams are pretty tough. So they really want to get a win over Penn to prevent themselves to drop into 500 to the point where then they've got to win out in terms of not win out, but win the majority of the games they have left. Uh, for Penn, they are sitting at four and three, kind of in a similar boat to Brown here. And just like Brown, their schedule a little bit easier though. They've got Brown, Harvard, and Dartmouth left. And then they've got St. Joseph's. St. Joseph's, they've been doing okay, right? Yeah, St. Joseph's is eight and two. And then Albany, you know, they can be dangerous depending on the day. So Penn, both of these teams need this win badly because it'll be a conference win, which will be very important for seeding for their tournament. And just in general, if they don't make, if they don't win their tournament, the Ivy could send three teams to the tournament, maybe four, depending on how they're, they, this shit shakes out here down the road. And uh, that I'd say three is probably the safer bet. So they need to, both of these teams need to bolster their at-large bid resume. In the end, I think Sam Hanley and company are probably going to win this game. I think they probably win it by a very narrow margin, one to three goals or so. And I think Penn improves to five and three. And I think Brown drops to 500. That's my, that's my prediction. Villanova and Denver. Denver has been struggling. Not the best of years for Denver here. They got losses to Duke, to Jacksonville at home. Jacksonville's had a hell of a season so far. They've lost to Carolina. They lost to Yale, and they lost to Georgetown. Their only wins are against Utah, Air Force, Canisius, Ohio State. That was a good one. Towson, not a bad win either, but it was a little closer probably than Denver would have liked. So that's what Denver's dealing with uh, with Villanova here on the docket and then Villanova slightly faring slightly better sitting at six and three. They've got wins over Penn state, Fairfield, Hofstra, Drexel, Delaware, and St. John's not the best wins with losses to Yale Brown and Penn. So Villanova's only losses have come to the Ivy league overall in this one. I think Denver will take care of business on the road. I think Denver ends up getting the win. They, they pretty much have to win this game as well. Once again, they do have a conference tournament, but Georgetown, does not look like they're going to be able to beat Georgetown in the conference tournament to get the AQ. So they really need to, I don't even know if they win out, if that's good enough to get them into the tournament. It probably isn't, but it will at least be good momentum heading into the tournament to see if maybe they can turn the tables. Maybe they can pull a Georgetown. Georgetown would traditionally lose to Denver in the regular season only to beat Denver in the uh, uh, big East tournament. So maybe 
Denver can do that this year and beat Georgetown in the Big East tournament and get themselves in. They're going to have to. Richmond and Jacksonville. This is going to be one of the best games of the weekend here. Conference game for these guys. We've got Jacksonville sitting at 9-2, and two, Richmond at 6-3. and three. Jacksonville coming off wins. A four, they're right now at winning four straight. After that kind of surprising loss to Utah, a lot of sites are doing that to me these days. So, yeah, that surprising loss to Utah is really the only blemish on this schedule so far, and they've beat Bellarmine, UMass Lowell, St. John's, and High Point since. This Richmond game is going to be a monster for them. Richmond coming off the big upset win over UVA, so their hype. Do you maybe worry that they're, you know Richmond's going to be a little too high coming off that win over UVA at, uh, playing against Jacksonville? My answer would be no. That would be dumb. I think both of these teams are going to be ready to rock, and they're going to be kicking ass all up and down the field, all over the place. And uh, that's it, I think. But I do think in the end, I'm going with Jacksonville. I'm riding the hot hand here. I'm going with Jacksonville, the winner of this game, by one goal in overtime. I predicted it. You saw it here first. And I predict that Waldbaum is going to score the game winner. He's got 34 goals and 17 assists right now. I wish that would stop popping up on me here. But that's it, guys. Hey, I got 10 minutes to the Q's to the Q's game here, so I'm going to get the hell out of here. I don't think we had any questions. We just had a bunch of people make statements. So we've got Dave Sweeney. He's harassing me. Dave's almost always here. Chris Weston, he's going to be at Clockner with the family this weekend. Uh, Kevin Kaneb, he thinks he agrees with me. Syracuse must just be a bunch of sinners to be losing to the Catholics of Notre Dame over and over and over again. Ted Rainville the second. Teddy Rainville, the guy's got a beautiful name. Uh, he's taking his family to the Maryland and Rutgers game Sunday night. So let's go Terps. I'm, I was almost going to say boo Terps and I want the Terps to lose, but I really don't. I'd like to see Maryland run the table on the regular season and then lose in the finals to an ACC team again. I would take that, uh, for the most part, but best of luck. I, you know, Hey Ted, I hope that they, I hope that they win this weekend because there's nothing worse than going to see your favorite team play and then have them lose while you're there. You go through all that trouble of traveling and drinking beer and having to fight the, you know, the, the late, late evening beer nap, uh, and then you, you only do all of that to watch your team lose. That would, that would royally suck. Even where I, I once went to the Dome with my nephew, drove my nephew up there, just me and him, and I watched Syracuse lose to Villanova, an unranked Villanova at the time. That was – or was it Marquette? Might even been a loss to Marquette. Now I can't remember, but it was it was ugly. It was ugly. Uh, let's see here. Dave Sweeney says, Ted, I'm the man. Where's the Q's game on? Q's game's streaming. Yes, I am the man, Dave Sweeney. You are correct. And uh, the Q's game is on uh, ESPN+. Plus. I think it's, it's going to be on like the ACC Extra or some crap like that. So it's not on regular TV. I believe I did see it's streaming only. And luckily, I just have like every freaking service under the sun. My wife has always hit me up asking, hey, what's this, what's this charge for? It's like, oh, that's the Big Ten Network. Or, oh, this is, this is what I paid. This is that, that time I paid $9.99 to uh, watch a single Denver game because it was the only home game they had that month, but I wanted to watch it. So... That's it. And hey, I got to read what Ted Ted's saying. That was me and my family at the national championship last year. They drove from Maryland to to Connecticut to watch Maryland lose. Uh, I will say I was pleased with the outcome of that game, not because I wanted Maryland to lose, but you know I've become a, a, a sort of Virginia fan. I watch so much ACC lacrosse, 
And it, but even though it goes against all, you know, everything that is in my DNA, I end up becoming a fan of all of these teams. But I love watching Virginia play. I love their style of play. I enjoy watching Duke play. I enjoy watching Duke progress throughout the season. That's always interesting to see how that team takes shape throughout the season. So I'm an idiot. But all right. That's it, everybody. I'm going to end the crap out of this stream here. Uh, so thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Come back Sunday for the full show with highlights and all that crap. I'm not promising I'm going to do that one live, but I may do that one live. Uh, so either way, one way or another, I will see you or you will see me or hear me on Sunday. And that is it. And Hoost is out.